Well, I have to say, I am amazed, and so uh, the only word that works is blessed, uh, by Danny leading us in worship tonight. Uh, you're incredible, man. I, I really am in awe. That was great. Not only did you get back on there with the operation and all, you did a great job. Um, appreciate it so much. Um, if you have your Bibles, open it to Matthew chapter 12. Continuing in Matthew's gospel. Today we're going to be talking about the Sabbath. It's kind of interesting because we touched on it Sunday. We actually touched on it Sunday night too at our love feast. And we're touching it again today. So... What does this mean? Everyone take a day off. Um, let's start reading from verse 1, and we'll read to verse 21, and then we'll go over our text together. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look! Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the temple or desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out, and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. Let's pray. Father, as we learn more about you and your son, Jesus. 
I pray, Father, that our hearts would be stirred, that they would be lifted. Father, that we too would have hope in you. Lord, that we too would find rest in you. And so I pray that once again we would fight against distraction, that we would have a hunger in our soul to be fed and to be filled and to be closer to you. And may this time we have tonight that we have set aside be an opportunity for those things to take place. Might this time be rich with your presence and your work. May your spirit do his work in our lives, we pray. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Sabbath doesn't really mean a whole lot to us, usually. It's not something that's a part of our culture, but in this context that we're reading in, it was huge. It was one of the foundational things that Israel had put stock in. There were really three things that the Jewish Pharisees in particular held as very powerful at this time. The first was the Torah, the law. The second was the temple. And the third was Sabbath. These three things were kind of pillars to their beliefs. The Torah, the temple, the Sabbath. And so we see those things repeated over and over again. And Jesus alluding to those three things here and this, because what Jesus is saying, especially regarding the Sabbath, is that these things are actually about him. The three things that they considered pillars, he says, they're actually talking about me. Now, if we want to go back and look at what the Sabbath is, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 2. And so let's turn there. Genesis chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. Should be the first book in your Bible. If it's not, might want to get another Bible. says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so what we see is this one day is set apart of all creation. Every other day in creation was followed by another day of creation. But on this day, there was no more creating. God rested, and so he made it holy. He set it apart for this purpose. And God on this day ceases from his work and makes it of importance. He makes it something that is supposed to be a recognition of his work, his completion. And as he rested, he said, this day is unique. I'm setting it aside, making it holy 
for this purpose. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We see how this gets introduced into the nation of Israel. We'll start at verse 8, Exodus 20. This is part of the Ten Commandments. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is a day where everything is to stop, where we remember who we are, that we are people created, that we remember our place in God's creation. We remember whose creation it is, that it is the Lord, that he is the one who made these things He is the one who created all these things and then ceased after he was done. And we remember who we belong to, the God who made all this for himself. Realize that we don't make this day holy. We keep it holy by recognizing what God has done, stopping, resting, and remembering. It's not a lot of regulations In these verses here that we've read, we don't see an expounding. We get a pretty simple decree of what Sabbath is supposed to be. Stop working. Rest. This day is set apart because of what I, the Lord, have done. I have made it holy. And so what we are supposed to do is keep it holy. Remembering what he has done. But in comes the religious community and they start to develop what was supposed to be a blessing and now make it an obligation. And we have a way of doing that. We do that so easily. It would be as if you're going to work one day and they call you on the cell phone and they say, hey, today we're having a party at work. And you're thinking, cool, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get paid for having a party. And so you go in there just kind of thinking, this is going to be a great day. And as you enter in, you see that the the bosses and the managers, they all have clipboards. You're thinking, what's with that? And as you're talking with your coworkers, all of a sudden, one of the managers comes up to you and he says, oh, your conversation, it it was about something outside of work. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to dock your pay for that. Because remember, this is a work party. You're like, what? I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the rules. I I didn't know that was part of the party. Go up to someone else and they say, "Hey, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take note and dock you because you double dipped with your tortilla chip. You know that's not not allowed at the work party." And pretty soon you're thinking to yourself, "You know what? I'd rather just go to work because now you're sitting here paranoid if you're gonna do something wrong. It's not a party at all. Now it's this burden." It's a pain in the neck. And you see, what has happened is the 
Pharisees and the Judaism at that time had made 24 chapters of what the Sabbath was how far they could walk before it was considered work. And it was like they're walking around with clipboards. And so here come the disciples walking through a field of grain. And there they are with their clipboards. Oh, they're picking the herd. That's working. You can't do that. That's part of our rules. And and what it says there back in Matthew's gospel In verse 2, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Another way you might be able to translate unlawful would be unbiblical. It's not against our rules. And you see, what they're doing is they're stressing law over love, program over people, self-righteousness over grace, rules over relationship. And here comes Jesus saying he's greater than the temple, and that he is the one who actually gave them the Sabbath, that they took what were gifts, the Torah, the temple, the Sabbath, which were supposed to help them, and they reduced them. And what Jesus does is he defends the disciples, he rebukes the the Pharisees, and he reclaims the Sabbath. And as they come up there and they say, these things are unlawful, they're unbiblical. These things are against our rules and regulations. These things aren't what we want. They're breaking biblical rules and commandments. Whose rules and commandments? The ones that they had made on the things that God had said. This happens still. Some people think... It makes them more holy the more nitpicky they get. Someone says, you know what? I gave up drinking hard liquor. I just, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to drink wine. Someone else comes along and says, oh, I don't even drink wine. I won't even do that. Someone else comes along and says, I, I won't even drink NyQuil. It's got 25%. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to want, so I'm actually more holy because I'm trying to be biblical. The Bible doesn't say anything about NyQuil. (laughs) And what people do is take something and they make it something else. And what they were doing was, again, bringing a burden on what was supposed to lift a burden. And what Jesus does as he defends the disciples and as he puts them in the place, he says, haven't you read? And verse three, and this is great because you see the Pharisees were the Bible thumpers of the day. These were the guys who knew the scriptures And let's face it, Jesus' group of guys, they weren't the A-team. They weren't Harvard graduates. You know, they were fishermen. They, They were the guys who didn't graduate high school, probably. And so, no doubt, the Pharisees come up to him and say, you guys are doing what's unlawful. And the disciples are like, oh no, as they come out, you know, with their rules, their regulations, kind of their Bible, and they're going to say, yeah, you're not doing what's right. And then Jesus comes back 
goes, haven't you guys read? Which is in itself a slap. Because they were supposed to be the masters of what's in the scriptures. And when he says, haven't you read? He's kind of slapping them. He's pulling out his glove. Haven't you read? And what he does is he says, haven't you read? And this moment is great as he confronts them. First he says, haven't you read what David did? What David did was found in 2 Samuel in one of the historical books. Haven't you read what David did and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Didn't you read the historical books? Or haven't you read? Here's another in your face. Haven't you read? In the law, now he's in numbers, that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent. Haven't you read in numbers that the priests work all day on the Sabbath and it's okay? Didn't you guys read that? And then he goes one more place where he says, verse 6, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, and now he quotes Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. And so he says, haven't you read what is in the historical books or what's in the law or what's in the prophets? Don't you know what the scriptures say? Oh, man, he just thumped them back. I mean, he just, you know, he says, give me that Bible. Thump, 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 and he thumped down. (laughs) Don't you know what you're talking about? And you could see the disciples just being, yeah, yeah, it's about time. I'm tired of getting thumped by you guys. Now it's your turn. And Jesus lets them have it, and it's powerful. He reclaims the Sabbath. He says, no, this isn't what it's about. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that's what Jesus is bringing about here. You see, your clipboard doesn't know how to deal with this relationship and what God is doing. God is giving something as a gift and your clipboard can't find a place for it. Your rules and regulation have nowhere to put this gift, this gracious thing that God has done. It only knows requirements. And we need to be careful when people start taking what is supposed to be freeing and start making it something that enslaves us to authority of men. And that's what they were doing at this time. And it happens still. It happens still. Jesus brings it back to what it was meant to be. It was meant to be rest. It was meant to be peace. The Sabbath, Hebrews tells us, the book of Hebrews tells us that it was a point and a place where we could cease from our works to try and please God and we could rest in the work that Jesus has done 
the Lord of the Sabbath. Where we could now rest. And Jesus brings it back to to what it is supposed to be. The picture of what it is supposed to be. And he continues in verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. I guess that's okay on the Sabbath. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And now Jesus is bringing an illustration to them. And he said to them, and I imagine when it says to them, he's talking not only to the Pharisees, but to all those around them. Because the illustration that he gives is one of farming. The Pharisees weren't farmers, but no doubt there were some around at the time. And so he says, if any of you has sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? And you can see all the guys looking, and he's looking, hey, you guys, if that happens, would you do it? Probably going, yeah, yeah, that's no brainer. No brainer, right? And he says, well, how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? This is another zing. Zing. And you can hear all the people going, Stupid Pharisees. (laughs) And he brings down the facade of their self-righteousness, of their holiness. You guys think you're so special because of your clipboards. You think you're so special because you've made the Sabbath so much. You think you're so special because you don't drink NyQuil. You think you're so special, but you've missed the point. And so he brings that air of their ways into understanding where they can see that this is really silly. And then what happens is Matthew foreshadows the cross here in the gospel. When he says, when he said this, when he said to the man, stretch out your hand, so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. What a, a troubling verse. Why would someone, after seeing and hearing this, still plot to kill Jesus? How could someone go to that place when they just saw the miracle, wouldn't you think that was amazing? We need to follow this guy. I need to see what else he's doing, but they plotted to kill him at this time. Why? What would make someone want to kill someone else in their religious fervor? Pride. You see, they knew probably more than the disciples or anyone else at that time, that Jesus is now claiming to be God. That he is the purpose, the point of the temple, of the law, of the Sabbath. And if he has his way, they're going to lose their whole program everything that they have made important will crumble if this man has his way. 
And so they are more concerned with their positions, with their status in people's eyes than they are with the truth. And that can happen so subtly to all of us. Where no longer what's important, what is true is the focus, it's what, if we're right or not. It happens in our common relationships, maybe husbands and wives. You're having an argument about something. And all of a sudden, one of you brings something out and says, you know, something about this. And it's an opportunity for you to say something cruel so that you can come out on top of the argument. And so you let it fly. Here comes this accusation. Here comes this word that blasts the other person. You're not caring about the argument. You're just trying to be mean now. You're just trying to win. And you'll lie. You'll embellish the truth. You'll care little about the feelings and concerns of someone else because what you want is more important than anything else. You want to justify yourself. Well, that's all that's taking place here is the Pharisees want to justify their positions. They're going to push their positions to the place to the point where they plotted, we got to get rid of this Jesus. What he's doing, it's going to destroy everything that we have. And so they move forward to destroy and kill Jesus. Now, I want to talk just a, a little bit about Sabbath because I think there's some truths here that we really need to, to recognize and embrace. The Sabbath was anchored in what is good and in freedom. That's its purpose. It isn't obligation. Actually, all the Ten Commandments are anchored in what is good and things that are going to give us freedom. You see, if you live in a world where people aren't killing you, you have a lot of freedom. If you live in a world where people aren't stealing your stuff or trying to take your wife, you have a lot of freedom. So the law is really there to, to give us good boundaries and to give us freedom. And we all agree, I hope, it's not good to commit murder. If you don't agree, talk to Michael afterwards. Uh, we all agree that it's a good thing. But when it comes to the Sabbath, we kind of like, ah, it's not a big deal. But I think it is. And I think it was supposed to be. Now, again, we can make it about the day or we can make it about the purpose. And I think it's the purpose that really matters here, even as the rest of the scriptures tell us we're not going to be held by any specific day, a Sabbath day, new moon feast, or those kinds of things. We're not under those obligations, but there is something in the Sabbath that is important. And what it is, is it's freedom from the grind of life. It's to recognize it's freedom from the obligation of work. It's saying your purpose in life isn't about work and how much money you make and what status you have. That is not all you are. And it doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't even matter if you're an ox. You get the day off. Everyone gets to rest 
on this day because I rested on this day, God is saying. And I made it holy. I said, this is a special day and you're going to recognize it because I stopped from working, you're going to do the same. And it's for our benefit that we do this. And, and we're all equal here. You see, work becomes an opportunity to oppress. If you have the power to make someone work for you, then you have the power to oppress someone. You need to come in seven days a week and work. What the Sabbath did, it says, no, they get a day off. In fact, you get a day off. So now there is God stepping in and saying, you can't put that obligation and oppression on people. They each get a day off. So now the person who has the business, who has the work, has to give people the day off. Now they're having to provide for these people a time where they can rest. All are to stop. And what we're supposed to do here is recognize that something more important was going on in the beginning. More important than your job, more important than your paycheck, more important than the work that you're doing, something else God was creating. Okay, that's a little bit more important. God made everything and then he stopped. Recognize, remember those things. Something more important was going on. Remember who we are, whose we are, and where we are in relationship to him. It was a day that we were supposed to stop, reflect, and remember. You know what? God did all this. It also is a day that brings us dignity. You see, you're not just a beast of burden. You're not just an animal that's there to work. That's not who you are. Your purpose isn't to work and make money. You were created in the image of God. And it's supposed to help you remember that. That this isn't just about the grind. Now, God has put this here so that we would remember. And we keep taking it back. As I was putting this together, I was looking at my calendar. And I was like, oh. Next week, I don't have a day off. That's not good. Because I'm going to be talking about you should have a day off, and I don't have a day off. <laughs> and it's not that there's a clipboard there waiting to check. Oh, you didn't take the day off. Boom. What I'm doing is hurting myself. And, and we can all get into this mindset, I don't need a day off, I can work all the time. Hey, I'm no problem. I just work, I can work, I work. But what's happening is it's bringing ourselves down. And, and what also happens is it makes ourselves, we think ourselves more important than we really are. You ever just turn your cell phone off? You say, I'm not going to turn it on. I don't know. Do you guys? Because I don't. I need it. It's, I have to have my cell phone. And 
you know, there was a time, I know some of you don't remember this, but I'm kind of old. There was a time when phones were connected to the wall. <laughs> they were. They had a cord. And you couldn't only go so far. And some people thought they were great, and they'd get a cord that went 20 feet so they could work in the kitchen and be, I'm mobile. I've got a cord, and I can go around. And then you just have to stay inside the house all day because what if someone calls? I've got to be by the phone. No, you didn't. You didn't even think about it. We're going to go out. We're going to go to the show. We're going to go shopping. What are we going to do about the phone? Okay, you stay by the phone. I'll go shopping in case someone calls. It's amazing. How did we ever function? And if you turn your phone off for a day and you turn it back on and you don't check your emails and you just take a day of rest, you're probably going to find when you turn your phone back on that nothing really important happened while your phone was off, that there was no calamity that you had to come in and save. You probably didn't even get as many messages as you thought you would. I thought for sure more people would comment on that Facebook quote I put. <laughs> it was a good one. You see, you're thinking more about yourself than anyone else's. You're not that important compared to God. And so it puts you in a right perspective where you get to see who you are in relationship to the creation of the world. It helps us to recognize these things, the freedom that comes from having to be there for someone else, having to answer every little thing, having to pick up the phone, having to name it. There's always something to do. But do you take time to recognize that life will go on without you? If you take a day off, the world's going to get along just fine. It's important. Otherwise, you think you can't. Things are going to collapse if I'm not there to help make something happen or stop it from happening. And then what Jesus does is he brings back just that the Sabbath was indeed good. And how he does that is points out that he is good. Because remember, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And in verse 15, after they are plotting how they might kill him, Jesus is aware of this, and he withdrew from that place, which is a smart thing to do sometimes. If someone's trying to kill you, it's good to withdraw from that place. Okay, don't have to be a martyr today. You can leave. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was so to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. 
I will put my spirit on him. He and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And so the Lord of the Sabbath is merciful. He is a servant Lord. And he's much different than the rules and regulations of the Pharisees. He's much different than what was presented to them as having to please God. Here is a God who's actually caring for them. And in view of this God, the clipboards just fall to the floor because they're useless. There is nothing I can do that's going to make me good enough for God. I recognize that, and this is useless, which is what their worries were. And so the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who created the Sabbath for man, we see a picture of who he is. Though he is the purpose of the temple, the law, and the Sabbath, we see that he is gentle, that he's not crying out. You don't hear him in the streets. That a bruised reed he will not break. And when I think of a bruised reed, I think of when my kids played saxophone. You know, they have a reed. And I never knew if it was the reed's fault or not, you know. I mean, hey, it was fifth grade, you know, how good are you? But I know that the reed was something that, you know, was fragile. You had to put it in a special cover. And if it was already, you know, a little bit worn, it was bruised, what he's saying is, I'm not going to break that. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about us. He's not here to break you. And if your life and if your world has been bruised, he's not going to break you. That's not what he's here for. He's not here to bring oppression. This is the Lord of Sabbath. He's not here to bring more obligation to you. He's here to bring freedom. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And that picture is so great, that smoldering wick. It's, it's just barely got a little hint of red and the smoke is going on. It's just barely lit. He's not going to walk by and just the breeze is going to snuff it out. He's not going to wet his fingers. That's it. I'm done. That's not his character. He's not here to do these things. He's gentle and he is here to help. He's here to give us rest. He's here to give us peace. He's here to help our lives move forward. And so he says he's not going to do these things till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And that's what we are doing, putting our hope in who Jesus is, what he has done for us. So now I don't have to meet the regulations of religion to please God. Jesus has done that. 
Jesus is the point of the law. Jesus is the point of the temple. He is the point of Sabbath. Jesus has fulfilled all these things. Now I can find my rest in him. No more striving. No more looking over my shoulder, wondering if the manager is going to write something down. Now I have entered into a relationship with him. And I obey him because I love him. He gives me commands because he loves me. They're for my benefit. Opportunities for me to stop, reflect on who I am, who he is, and rest in who he is. Time to stop the world and the madness to recalibrate my life to who God is, who I am, what's important and what isn't. And allow that calibration to direct my path. And so I encourage all of us to allow the Lord to be the Lord of Sabbath in our life, to make that day and it doesn't have to be Saturday and it doesn't have to be Sunday, but make a day. My Sabbath will change from week to week. Karina and I will say, okay, what's Sabbath this week? Well, mine's Tuesday. <laughs> Yours will be Thursday. But it's good to have a day where you don't work, where you can chill out. Now, you don't have to take it to extreme, okay? Don't do the whole NyQuil thing. Just <laughs> relax. Well, I can't drive to the store and we can't go to Costco because it's the Sabbath. Chill out. Don't, don't worry about it. But rest. If, if Costco stresses you out and it can, <laughs> then you don't have to go. <laughs> Ching. Um, remember what it's about. Remember what this is supposed to do. And allow the Lord to be our rest. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for who you are. And for your care for us. That you have given to us, Lord, gifts. In your law and in who you are. That benefit our life. And I pray that we would stop and take time, Lord, to rest. I pray, Lord, that we would recognize that when we are bruised or just smoldering, that you are not going to break us. You're not going to snuff us out. You are here to bring us rest and peace and healing. Father, you know the needs of all of us here tonight. You know what areas we're bruised in. You know what areas there is turmoil. And you know what areas we need your rest and peace. And Father, we recognize that you are the creator, that you made all things in six days and then you rested. You made a day holy. You set it apart. Lord, may we set apart time to recognize you're the author of life. Time to remember that we are part of that creative work. Time to Give worth to you in all that you've done. Lord, we do thank you for your faithfulness, your love, your mercy, your gentleness. Lord, I pray you would bless the rest of our week and our time here tonight. In Jesus' name.
Amen.